Marriage on a Tightrope is a podcast that explores how couples can strengthen their relationship when one spouse experiences a shift in religious beliefs. Some people long for a life that is simple and planned, tied with a ribbon. Some people won't sell the sea because they're safer on land. To follow what's written, but I'd follow you to the great unknown of two. Hello and welcome to another episode of Marriage on a Tightrope. I'm Alan. I'm Katie, and we are still married. Woo! Huzzah! So, check it out, people. We are excited to be back with you today. We've loved the continued emails that we've gotten. Last weekend, we went out with another couple. This weekend, we're going out with two more couples. And it's been a really fun experience, don't you think? Yes, it has. What I is think... that? Katie has this weird, concerned look on her face. What's that look? Well, I'm concerned because this weekend, we have two couple dates, and that fulfills check mark. Oh, no more baked, baked goods? Baked goods. That's, that's five for five. I bake like every day. Mm. So look, if you go out with us, I will just bake you something. Can I tell you, it's been a little bit terrifying <laughs> <laughs> trying to bake something that people will like. And this last weekend, it was my first gluten-free baked good. <laughs> so I don't know how that went, but... And let me tell you this, gluten-free does not mean otherwise healthy because the cookies you made... I was, I'm trying to lose a little bit of weight right now. I ate so many of them because they have my kryptonite in baked goods, peanut butter. I love peanut butter in baked and baked goods. And M&M's. And M&M's. They right. did have that as well. And just good. pure cane sugar. That doesn't ever hurt. No. But it was fun <laughs> to learn how to do gluten-free cookies. So if you are gluten-free, if you are peanut-free, if you are dairy-free, I will try my best to make it, I don't know, good. Kosher? That's not the right term. No. But it makes me feel multicultural. So that's So baked goods for any of you that go out with us. We're we're only gonna, we're gonna be extend noticed. It. We should just change the title of our podcast of <laughs> Baked Goods on a Tightrope or Marriage Marriage in a Cookie. <laughs> a cookie cutter marriage. Cookie cutter marriage. No. Oh, but we're not. We're not. We're not. We're, we break them all. We break the cookie. <laughs> we break the that's the way the cookie crumbles. Oh no. Before we get into today's topic, which Katie is going to introduce, we do want to tease a episode that will be coming out soon. One of our future episodes, we're going to dedicate just to answering questions that we've received via email, because we have received a wide variety of questions. Some of them fall under kind of a big umbrella, which is one of the topics today. It's a very common question we've received. Some of the one-off questions we don't want to ignore. We have answered them individually, but but we recognize that less than 1% of our or I almost said customers, um, <laughs> less than 1% of our listeners actually reach out to us. So if there's other people with the same questions, we want to make sure that you are heard, even though you're not talking. So <laughs> there you go. And today I went through all of the emails and comments we've already received and wrote down all the questions that we haven't yet talked about. And what? Yeah, it's not a video podcast. This is, these are the questions that she wrote down. 
Oh, okay. I thought you were just doing that to tell me to stop talking. Nope, I'm just being obnoxious. Okay. Proceed. Okay, here we go. Anyway, I wrote them down, and so uh, we've grouped them together. There'll be episodes dedicated to those questions, lifestyle changes, that sort of stuff, but uh, any individual questions that we get that don't really fall in that category, we are going to do this whole episode on answering your questions. Doesn't matter what they are, just anything. Also, I want to mention that we have started an Instagram. It is Marriage on a Tightrope. In the Instagram feed, we will post episodes that come available. We will also, I think I'll probably post a few pictures of my baked goods in case any of you doubt that I make them. I make them, I promise. Any glamour shots we can look forward to? Uh, yeah, no. Glamour shots by Deb. <laughs> by Deb. <laughs> well, that's horrifying. Anyway, anything that's applicable to our podcast, we will post on the Instagram feed. The reason why I wanted to do an Instagram feed was so that it would be accessible and easy to just jump on, especially for you ladies out there who already are on Instagram. If you want to follow us, that would be great. Also, though, if you have any questions and you don't want to write out a big, long email or you don't want to get on the Mormon Discussions podcast website and ask a question, you can always ask questions within the Instagram feed. If there's a certain episode where you have a question or you have a comment about something we talked about, feel free to comment on that particular thing. And hopefully it will be fun. So let's get into today's topic. Uh, As you can see from the title of the podcast, what does Katie know? We're going to get in the brain of Katie. And so Katie, tell me what spawned this topic When you've received some of these emails, what is a common question that people are asking you? I think the most common question that we get is, does Katie know everything that Alan has learned and studied? And does she feel about the same? We know that I don't feel the same way about the church as he does. But have I studied everything that Alan has studied? That's a pretty common question that Mm -hmm. we get. And What's the answer? Have you? I haven't. All right, that's the end of the episode. We will, I'm just kidding, we'll give a little more thought behind it. Right. This is a very difficult thing to talk about. When we were talking about how we were going to address this, I already was in tears. And I haven't cried for two episodes. It's true, I'm proud of you. So. Or disappointed, I can't tell which. Let, let it be known. You know how some people are ugly criers? Katie's not an ugly crier. She's Aww. a very cute crier. And I, I just want to hug her when I see her crying, which I think is a good reaction. I'm like a turtle and I get really self-conscious and I just go into my shell and I don't want anyone to see me or to talk to me or to look at me. It's true. And so my crying is very inward, if you can imagine. <laughs> yeah, I wanted to jump right into what is it that I know about the information that Alan has learned to cause him to have a shift in belief? And since you've answered the question already with no, let's go back in time to about a year ago. I'll talk real briefly about uh, what I did to learn what I have learned. And we can talk about how we got to the point where now today we're saying, nope, she does not know or has not researched everything that I have researched. Fair? Yeah, that's fair. Go ahead. Okay. 
Yeah, again, if you've been listening to the to the episodes, you already know the general timeline of the story. If not, we'd encourage you to go back and listen. But uh, we will reiterate here today. About a year ago, January of 2017, I, I had come out of this kind of anxious, depressed funk and finally felt like I was in a place where I could figure this out and really dive in and and try to to see what the church was all about. More than just the surface church, but really get into it. Not deep doctrine, but the the history of the church, what prophets have been teaching and all those things. I decided to start that quest. And I was very open with Katie about it. Said, hey, this is what I'm going to do. I, I would like your support in that. But what I did not do is ask her to do it with me. There was no invitation to do it with me. I think probably because, and you can, I'd love to hear your thoughts on that too, but probably because the previous conversations we had had, even though they may have been a few years prior, in my head, it was pretty clear that that wasn't, that was, this was something that was interesting to me and wasn't necessarily interesting to you, though I never asked. I think that's fair. Yeah, you never sat down and said to me, I want to look at this information with you. Would you mind looking at it with me? And you did tell me that you wanted to look further and study further into it. And so I thought to myself, well, yeah, if he wants to do it, go ahead. That's It doesn't do anything to hurt me. And I remember, do you remember in the driveway one day, I, it may have been in January, you mentioned to me, you said, I, I feel like this is completely fine. Everything's going to turn out being okay. We were in the driveway and we had that comment was, was made of, I feel like everything's going to be okay. And I said, I agree wholeheartedly, but you need to understand that I'm going into this completely objectively, willing to come to any conclusion. And that conclusion may not be that the church is what I always thought it was. You need to be ready to accept that even though that could happen, that doesn't mean that what you just expressed is not true. It, in simpler terms, everything turning out to be okay does not mean that I conclude the church is everything I ever thought it was and I'm back in wholeheartedly. Right. And I expressed that to you in the car. Yeah. So in the car, I, I do remember you saying that. I also remember feeling just a really peaceful feeling. You know, it's okay. Everything's going to work out the way it should. I can be just have faith that things will work itself out. Yeah. And oh my gosh, this is such a fun concept. Everything's going to work out the way it should. That type of statement can be really difficult. If you take it to mean you're rolling the dice and whatever happens is going to happen. But rather, looking back at that year, have we just let things happen or have we been really working hard towards being okay with this? Yeah, we've been working hard. We've been working really hard. Really so, hard. I mean, I didn't, at the time I said it, I don't think that I imagined it would morph into what it is now. I think that I just thought, well, yeah, he has questions and he's going to do some research and it's going to be okay. It'll all work out. And So is it okay and has it all worked out up to this point? I know it's still in process. <laughs> we're, we're, we're in progress. Yeah. But the feeling that you expressed in the car... Seeing where I've landed, what do you think about the feeling that you had in the car? Were you wrong? Were you... No, I don't think I was wrong. I still actually have a, quite a bit of peace about it. I don't feel scared or upset or mad. 
And that doesn't mean that I haven't throughout the process or that different aspects of the process has been difficult. But the overall feeling I have felt is it's going to be okay. Mm -hmm. It's going to work out. Now, does that mean it's going to work out the way that I had envisioned? No. Right. But we'll get to that. Sure. (laughs) Good. Good tangent. So a year ago, Katie knows that I'm jumping into this. There's no invitation for her to join me. And then I jump in and I was devouring everything that I could reading the, the 12 essays on LDS.org about the gospel topics, following those footnotes, reading the CES letter, letter to my wife, which is a similar letter, following those footnotes. It's what I was trying to do. The purpose of today is not to get into any specific doctrine. In general, that's not the purpose of this podcast. I will say, though, that it's really, really easy to let other people's opinions form your own opinion or influence your opinion. I mean, that's really just the human experience in general. Uh, If I went to make music, it would be influenced by the music that I currently listen to. What I tried to do and the point I'm trying to make is I didn't just read the CES letter and say, now I believe what Jeremy Runnels believes who wrote the CES letter. Follow every single footnote, follow the source there's a lot of the CS letter I don't agree with or don't think it's a very compelling argument. The church essay is the same thing. Following the footnotes, secondary reason why I'm saying all that is that it takes a lot of time to research and study. This is not just a process where I was just reading a 20-page document. A 20-page document has 40 different footnotes, which takes dozens of hours to research and study and pray and think about. Then you jump into your podcast world And podcasts like Mormon Stories with John DeLynn is probably the most well-known. I found Mormon Discussion Podcast, which I'm a little partial to because now I produce content for. (laughs) But but Bill Reel has been just a godsend, literally, on on that front. And so those types of podcasts, one of the best specific examples of getting way ahead of where Katie was as far as as far as research goes is the Year of Polygamy podcast with Lindsay Hansen Park because she has uh, hundreds of hours dedicated to one topic in the gospel. And no amount of me sitting down talking with Katie is going to have her on the same page as me because I've just downloaded all of this content into my brain. Okay, so let me ask you this because as you're downloading this content and you're reading it... Are we talking about it during this time, or are you just internalizing everything that you're consuming? The very first part of the year, up until close to the summer, I don't think we talked a lot about what I was learning. Do you remember? I'm sure that we did a couple of things, but not a lot. I mean, I remember you talking about Year of Polygamy and you coming home and telling me different aspects. I thought, wow, that's really interesting. Let's talk about it. So when he did bring up the subjects to me, we would have short little conversations about it. Again, I did not go in and listen to the hundred of hours. I wasn't invited to, nor I'm going to be honest with you. I, I didn't really think it mattered. At the time, I also didn't really know exactly what what to expect mm-hmm. or what was going on. I didn't know he was doing that much research. Right, because a lot of it was in my ear. A lot of headphones while I'm working. Um, I hope my boss doesn't hear this, but um, a lot of stuff. You know, having podcasts in your ear while you're while you're doing things at work, or I travel for work, so you're on the airplane and you're listening to things. So really, that's why three to four hours 
I've heard people doing much more than that, staying up till four in the morning, studying and researching because it's they call it the rabbit hole. You get into it and you're just like, oh, my gosh, I didn't know this. Oh, my gosh, I didn't know that. And not all of it is. Can I use the term damning to the church? It's just fascinating. It's really, really interesting. Lindsay Hanson Park is not anti-Mormon like whatsoever. She's passionate about the topic of polygamy. So listening to all the research that she's done and the factual things that she presents, it's like, wow, this it opens a view into our history, American, Utah, and Mormon history that I have never seen before. And it's just fascinating. So you just don't want to stop. Yeah, I don't know. It's hard because I have four kids and I have two kids at home who are toddlers Mm -hmm. who are just in my ear, you know, all day long. And so if there's something that's important to me, I will, you know, set aside time to do it. I kind of feel like in the season of life that I'm in now, that's just not possible we'll get to where we're at now because we're almost caught up there was we want to talk about the summer when we started talking more openly about things and it happened to coincide with a trip out to see family in georgia which we drove from utah so there's 30 hours of potential talking time on the way there and on the way back plus we went to florida that adds an extra eight hours of driving there and back so a lot of time to talk and think katie if you can talk about how those first open and very new conversations that we had while we were on vacation uh, in Georgia, how those went. We make this annual Mecca. I call it the Mecca because his whole family lives there to Georgia and we stay for about a month. And so getting there, we didn't really talk much about it, but it was specifically when we drove to Florida. I remember we started to talk about polygamy in particular. So one thing he said was, you don't know all the facts about polygamy. And I said, okay, well, go ahead and tell me things that you know that I don't. Right. And uh, again, look at the chasm (laughs) between the two of us. Even though we're driving eight hours from Georgia to Florida, how is it possible for me to put hundreds of hours worth of research into a thought to actually say? So it's There's a gap there that's really challenging to overcome. We talked a little bit about it. And then we've had, I mean, we had opportunities throughout the trip to talk. And it was a couple, two nights before we were about to leave to come back home from Georgia. And Alan and I were at Alan's brother's house. And we were just sitting on the bed talking about how did it even come up? I don't remember, but I do remember my state of mind. My state of mind was, in in a lot of different respects, had shifted from questioning to I've got the answers and I do not like them. So I think that there was a mental shift, not regarding everything that I was studying, but for certain parts of it, I was either A, pretty upset about what I had learned, or B, I, I think I've kind of figured it out. And so the, the conversation that we had, uh, I remember we talked about we have a five-year-old daughter, what happens when she turns eight? And there was, when we were sitting there in bed, there was this realization, I think, for Katie that was like... You said to me, I don't think that she should be baptized. Hmm. And I said, why not? And she said, he said, she's too young. She doesn't, is she really being given a choice? Is what options does she have? She's just doing it because we're telling her that kind of thing. Yeah, and that upset me, first of all. And then the second thing that Alan said was that he no longer believed in the priesthood. 
And all of a sudden, everything like opened up. And now my mind is going a million, a million miles per minute. And I said, wait, you're not going to be able to bat. You're not going to baptize our own daughter. I just started crying. Mm -hmm. And I was really upset because he had studied all these things. I didn't expect it to lead to this. There was no, I, I don't know. There wasn't like a link between the two in my mind. It seemed like a, I wrapped up a present and you're going to open it and see what it is inside. It's if you've seen UHF, the weird Al movie from the eighties, <laughs> do you want, do you want the, the bass or do you want what's in the box? And what's in the box? Nothing. Absolutely nothing. But it, there was no ramp up. It went from don't know how he's thinking to, to I'm, I'm not, not going to baptize my daughter. our daughter. So that was a big, that's a shock. Right. And so I start flipping out. Literally. I was so upset. So right then and there, I text a couple people that knew what was going on. And they immediately called me, said, oh my gosh, what what can I do? What can I do to help you? And there were a lot of really good people trying to do a lot of good things for me during that time. But the fact remained that Alan said that, okay, he's not going to baptize our daughter. And then I, I, my mind went to, what is our, what does our future look like? Oh my gosh, we both serve missions. I really wanted to serve a mission as a older couple. We love the senior couples on our mission. And well, I mean, I had Temple President written all over me, didn't I? Don't you think? Oh my gosh, that, that's pretentious. That charismatic. Stop it. All right. Anyway, <laughs> um, but all of a sudden, it occurred to me that I'm never going to be able to go on a mission with my spouse. Then, oh my gosh, what happens when our kids get married in the temple? Will they get married in the temple? Will he support them on missions? So I just mentally, throughout that that whole night, I go through all of the scenarios in which Alan will not be able to be a part of. And that was so scary, and it was really, really difficult. And I didn't understand how he made that leap from, from studying to... Are, I'm not going to baptize our daughter. And and so now I'm freaked out. And now I'm really concerned about what does our future look like. And then I start going through what I call the grief process. Right. Before we get to that, <laughs> uh, obviously in those conversations, there's there's the, the one with shifting beliefs. And there's different thoughts going through my head. The difficult thoughts going through my head are... I still love you. Like, I'm not changing anything. I'm still the same person. Plus, it's there's anger. And there's anger not directed at Katie at all, but there's anger directed at, at the church of why are you putting me in this situation? Why is it my fault that I didn't know any of this really difficult stuff? And now that I do know it and I've decided not to believe it anymore, I'm the one that's being turned into a villain. And that was really difficult for me to feel that way. It's important for me to to provide that context as well, because if you're listening to this podcast, the chances are that you either are a believing spouse with someone that has shifted, uh, a believing spouse that needs to understand the mindset and the thoughts that are going through the non-believing spouse's uh, brain, and vice versa. The non-believer needs to understand what's going through the believer's brain. After the summer of discontent. <laughs> the summer of discontent. That's a terrible theme for our summer. I know. Um, we got home and I 
was upset about coming home and what, like, this whole faith journey, what it's turned into, at what point did you start asking me to look and read the stuff that you had been reading? I mean, other than a few of the things before our summer trip, it wasn't long after the summer trip that I that I started asking. So and, do you remember the first thing I started reading? Well, I remember the first thing I asked you to read. Which was? The church essays. And you said no. In my head, I'm going, this is on LDS.org. Do you remember I started to look up? I think my initial reaction to everything <laughs> has been no. Right? Mm -hmm. And then after I think about it for a little while, meaning like a maybe it's a couple hours, but maybe it takes a couple days. To me, I, I really have to think through it. And then once I think through it, give him more decisive answer about how I feel the way I do or mm -hmm. why I would or would not look at, look at something. I think that's the first no I gave you. I know that you asked me to read Rough Stone Rolling. Because that was kind of just, okay, just read the historical you right. know, facts. And so I ordered it and I started to read it. Okay, I'm sorry. It is so boring. If you do not like, if I mean, I'm not going to say I don't like history, but I, I guess I was trying to like read something that would jump out and... And it it's not extremely detailed. It's extremely. It's detailed. like the difference of listening to the musical Hamilton and reading the biography Hamilton that the musical is based on. Because that biography is the same way. It's hundreds of pages long and very detailed and pretty boring. Right. And so I would be reading it in the car or at home in bed, and I would fall asleep or yeah. something so but i was trying i was trying to make an effort well i remember having that conversation when you were like look she came to me and this was well beyond the summer this was beginning of fall it's like so crazy how quick things move because that's <laughs> only a few months ago uh she said i need to be more i need to be fair i need to at least put forth an effort so to your credit you you did and you said what should i read first and that is a loaded question when it's coming to you as the non-believer. Mm -hmm. Because if I tell her to read this, is she going to think I'm trying to push her to something that's going to just blow everything up? So I I remember talking to you and saying, I, you can tell me what you want to start with. I will let you know what I think about that. And the first thing you, you started with was the Joseph Smith papers. You said... I'd like to read the Joseph Smith papers. Right. And I said, that's not really a consumable product. That's, so that's what I had looked up, which was, was the Joseph oh, okay. Smith. okay. So that's what you had looked at, the Joseph yeah, Smith product. Joseph Smith papers. Because papers. the Joseph Smith papers. Because I didn't, and then I looked them up and I started reading and I couldn't understand what was yeah. going on. It's lengthy and it jumps all over the place. There's tens of thousands of papers. So the Joseph Smith papers projects are very helpful when you know what you're looking for, but it's not a chronological thing that you're going to go and read. The next thing that he mentioned was rough stone rolling. Because well, you actually said to me, what, do you, what about rough stone what about rolling? Rough? Well, because here's the I thing. Said, yeah. I, I came to this realization that it was not, I was base. I was judging him based on things that I didn't know. And that wasn't fair. And I came to that realization on my own. And so that's why I said to him, Give me some information to read because it is unfair for me to make a judgment about you because I have not read the same things as you. Right. Am I going to be able to do the same amount and 
hours of study and no, I'm not going to be able to do that. But I will give you whatever you tell me to read, I will do. And also, I want you to do it with an objective view. I don't want things that are flowery. Everything is wonderful. I also, on the other hand, don't want to read things that are so anti and that would make me feel bad about reading them. I wanted something with a very, like, just in the middle view. That's really hard to find because yeah. everyone has a bias. Yeah. Uh, there, I mean, Rough Stone Rolling is a good example of pretty close to the to the middle. Richard Bushman is active. He's LDS and he is active. But it is working from the construct that Joseph was a prophet. And so he'll make some of those conclusions. So he, even Rough Stone Rolling, has a bias towards the believer same way the CES letter has a bias towards the non-believer. So what I have found helpful is when I am doing research and studying, I have to have in my mind, who is the author? What biases do they have? And only focus on the actual source content. I started reading Rough Stone Rolling. I would be lying if I said I haven't finished it. I haven't finished it. Yeah, you're on like page 75 out of 600. I don't think I'm for really. Yeah, your bookmarks at page seventy five. Uh, okay, well. <laughs> but now it's on Audible, and I did purchase this on, purchase it on Audible. A little easier to get through it. Other information: Alan and I have had lengthy discussions about. Oh gosh, anything that I don't understand, what why he feels strongly against it, and then also, do you want to talk about the letter? Sure, <laughs> it's kind of hard. I wanted to document everything that I had studied and researched that was important to me and that had been a cause for reconsideration, if you will. I started putting together, at a time when Katie and I were not discussing all the details, I started putting together uh, a letter for her to explain the things that I had learned and why I, why they were important to me. So I, I started that, and to be honest... It's not completed. I don't have any pending things to write, but as I hear and learn and feel more things, I expand on it. And, write. and you've and you've taken things out, too. and I've taken some things out as well because I'll I'll end up coming to a different conclusion than I did. And uh, but for the most part, it's getting bigger and not getting shorter. Right now, it is it is eighty pages long, so it's not a short document. He's writing this letter to me about the things that he has a hard time. I actually don't know what is in the letter. He just continues to compile this letter to me about his beliefs and how they've changed. And one time I was with a church leader and I was upset and I was crying. And I asked him just to give me some advice about what it is that I needed to do or or like support I could get. And one thing he said is, well, the one thing you don't want to have happen is to have your spouse write down all the reasons why they don't believe in the church anymore. I mean, I was shocked because it must be a common thing. I mean, why else would he say that to me? And what was the reason he gave? You don't want to solidify your doubts. That's that's what he said. And to me, in, in that moment, it made sense. So that I was really frustrating to hear. Right. Because from the non-believer's perspective, that feels stifling. That feels, of course, I'm going to be encouraged to write down all the faith encouraging things that I experience in the church. 
but I can't write anything else down. But when I'm being told, don't write down doubts, that does not feel good. It didn't feel authentic. And I didn't know what to think about it other than, well, I'm going to go home and talk to my husband about what he's doing. So I came home and I told him and he was upset. After a couple of days, he decided that he would write down all of his beliefs also. Yeah, so all the good stuff. So what I do believe and what I find is important. So I started with that, and that ended up being 10 or so pages. And I actually gave that to Katie a few months ago. I remember coming home, and you had read it, and you cried, and I hugged you, and you said I loved that, and it was very positive. I actually think that would be something worth... And so that's how I started. I started with, here's what I do believe, and here's what I find value in the fun part, the funny part is, is that the second part of the letter, all the stuff that is troubling to me, it's the troubling things that flipped my world upside down that enabled me to feel and write the things that were contained in the, the first part of the letter, the more faith-promoting part of the letter. So it's through the hard, difficult learnings came this this beautiful yet small budding flower. Right. <laughs> and Alan, so Alan's given me parts of this letter yeah i've i've given i've given katie parts of the letter um you've i don't i'll let you speak to that i mean we don't need to talk about the specifics of the letter but how did it how did it make you feel a few of you listeners have written to me you ladies out there have written to me and said that you have felt resentment toward your spouse for dropping for them dropping information into your lap and how do you handle that honestly alan hasn't dropped information without me asking for it after alan told me that he had written this letter to me it took me a while to really think about what i wanted to do with the information he wasn't willing to give it to me because i wasn't ready for it and until i was ready for it i don't know how i would react to it after thinking about it for a while I thought, you know, what is what is the information going to do? Really, is it going to change anything? And what is waiting going to change? I, I feel like waiting to learn this stuff wasn't going to make a difference. Mm-hmm. I'm, I wasn't going to be more ready in six more months. At the point where we were in our marriage, I thought that I was ready. So that's why I asked for it. And he gave me the first part, and I read it, and we had a discussion about it. And I feel like it was a little bit freeing for you. Yeah, it was. Like, when I had read it and we talked about it, and you felt like I understood where you stood on a few things. Yeah, and I think it's hard for me, but important for me to recognize or or temper my expectations I don't want to expect, and I'm not. Sh- I don't want to share this with you, with the intent of you need to believe the way that I do. I absolutely want you to know yeah. the, the the reasons, and you are welcome to believe or not believe any part of it, and or come to different conclusions. Right. Over the last year, my heart has been ready at different times to receive different types of information regarding the church. I support my husband. That's why I said go ahead and look into things at the beginning of the year of last year. He did so without me. And then midway through the year when we made that big jump and we 
I all of a sudden didn't realize where he was coming from or what he had studied. And then he had asked me to study and I said, no, I rejected him. And then after thinking about it, I thought, you know, I really can't be judgmental about this. I need to come to terms. All of this is part of the process. And, yeah. and, and so that's the hard thing is patience on your end and on my end, because I think that there have been moments where I have been ready, like my heart's been ready for it, and other moments where it hasn't been. And it just we both have felt like it wasn't the right timing. And so that's not to say that I don't support my husband. It's not to say that I don't love him. And it's not to say that was trying. I was being blind to what he felt or thought. That's not it at all. You know, you have to understand on the other end of the spectrum that it's when I, when you don't, when the spouse doesn't go looking for things that are wrong in your own religion, it's hard for especially a spouse to come to you and say, hey, this is everything that's wrong. Mm -hmm. When I didn't really care to even go there in the first place, I can only speak from my experience. I mean, everyone is so different, but... The other thing I have really felt is that my entire life up until this point, everything good that has happened to me has been because of the things and the morals and values that I have learned. I have an amazing family. Gosh, I was brought up with amazing morals and an amazing family who taught me to be a good person. And I'm not saying that you can't do that in other religions, but... It works for you. The religion has not hurt me. I mean, I served a mission and I met my my spouse and I have four beautiful children. And those times where my life has been really hard or really dark, it's my belief in God and Jesus Christ that has gotten me through. And those are things that I learned in this religion. I'm not saying there aren't problems. There are problems everywhere. But what I am saying is that I just don't feel as strongly as Alan does because up till this point, I have had so much good in my life. I can't deny that and I can't, I can't deny promptings I've had. I can't deny feelings I've felt or just the people that have strengthened me or helped me in this life. And so, yeah, (laughs) this is hard. (laughs) So all of the episode three and four tiers are coming out now. You (laughs) save them up. Because of that, that's why I'm staying in. Everyone's yeah. different. See, yeah, I wish you could see her because she's a beautiful crier. <laughs> now, I do want to say everything that you just said, I can say the same thing. I've had nothing but good things come to me because of my activity in the church. I've been taught a great way to live. I've been taught good morals. Would be a different person by definition it, without it. it. Absolutely. Doesn't mean I'd be a bad person. Doesn't mean I couldn't have gotten to where I'm at now without the Mormon church. But I had, I've had nothing but positive and great experiences with it. So for me, the devastation, the devastation and grieving process for me is trying to reconcile that good outcome and the positive impact it's had on me with all of the stuff that I've learned that, that show me that it's not what it has claimed to be. That is one thing that I think that is easy to easy to forget from the non-believing spouse's perspective, there is a big grieving process going on within that person as well. It's it's easy to forget because 
my shifting beliefs, what's happening with me is what is impacting Katie. Rightfully so, I focus on Katie a lot. And I don't want this to be the cause of contention and the cause of hurt and the cause of tears like you're hearing today. And at the same time, I have my own grieving process I have to go through. It's not easy coming to that to the conclusions I've come to. How much easier would it be for me to say, oh, everything is great. Everything is fine. This, I, abs- it's, I wish I could. It's like The Matrix. I, I took the blue pill, or I've only seen the movie once, and it was a long time ago, so I forgot what color the pill was. But I've, I took the pill, and I've, now I know, and I can't unknow it. I wanted you to know I hear you, and I love you, and I'm, I still go back to what you said in the car of everything's going to be okay, and everything is okay. That never meant everything will be easy, or everything will work out the way that I want it to work out. It's okay because we have each other and we're not going to let go of that let me ask you this please after all is said and done look at where we are now what is your biggest regret one of the only regrets i can point to is not inviting you in the first place to do this with me i've heard from other people saying very similar things i wish i would have said hey i really want to figure this out will you at least extend the hand and say will you do this with me Can we do this together? Can we read the church essays together and talk about it together? Because now there's this gap, like we've talked about in this episode. There's this thought of, if I do say, hey, let's read this church essay together. There's something likely going on in your your head saying, he's trying to convince me of something. But if we would have done it at the beginning, we're starting at the same point. Yeah, I see what you're saying. I don't know if I would have been resistant to right. that. Because I just wish I would have done it. I wish I would have invited you to do it. What do you think the outcome would have been? I don't know, but I should have asked. I, I, just, I think it was. it's worth asking because at that point, it's, I don't know the conclusion of this, but I'm, I want to hold your hand and do it together with you rather than I'm going to figure this out on my own. And now looking back, I'm like, oh my gosh. That big, painful, hard conversation in July, either A, wouldn't have happened, or B, would have, we would have ramped up to it. If we were doing it together, it wouldn't have gone the way it did. And now we're on the other side of it, and things are better, but still difficult. And, and I feel like, I, I mean, he tells me more. He, he gives me parts of the letter that I learn more about. I'm not studying the amount of hours that he does, but I want to be clear when I say that I still... I'm in it. And mm-hmm. I have disagreed with some of the things that he's told me, or I've had different opinions than him. To be honest with you, if I'm being truly honest, there are things that he is absolutely right about. And that I have thought, yeah, this was screwed up. This was messed up. They shouldn't have done this. They shouldn't have done that. Right. I don't hold resentment towards Alan in any way. I also think that I have a bigger view of everything. And, and I think that that has been good because it's really allowed me to open up my mind and my heart because I really do feel more sympathy for others who are going through the same thing. Quite honestly, I understand why people decide to go. I do. And, and I don't judge them for that. And so if anything, this has been a very very difficult process, but I feel like it's opened up my whole world world view, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, which is great. I think that's awesome. As everyone can tell, we're not done with this journey. It, I don't think you're ever done. 
we're, we're in it forever. The last thing that we'd like to touch is kind of where do we go from here? Where are we at now? And maybe I can start that off with a question because there are still things that I learn. There are still things that I, that I, a, a new feeling or a new thought that I have, a new opinion, and I don't immediately share it. Should I be immediately sharing it? So I, I will, I will learn things still to this day. And I, I don't necessarily, I'll either, I'll probably, most of the time now I'm just putting it in a letter. I'm just, I'm just documenting it. And then bit by bit, he's sliding it under the door to me. So the, I, I think one thing that we're missing still, and I don't know if we need it, but one thing we're missing still is that daily download when we go on our walks, either after dinner or before work. We go on these walks around the neighborhood and we talk to each other. Hey, what'd you do today? Oh, I talked to your mom and we talked about this. Oh, I was at work and this is what's going on at work. And we have those kind of conversations. And what's not included in those conversations is, I need to tell you about something that, that I learned today that is kind of troubling. Can I tell you about that? I, I We're still not having those types of conversations. Have you tried? Is there something well, that you have learned? There's always something. I'm learning stuff all the time. So my question is, like, we don't have this figured out. Like, do I bring that up to you? I don't. I don't know. I mean, I think so. Yeah. Because I, what I don't want to have happen is for you to res, you to feel like an eye roll. Okay, here we go, and for the defense to go up, and now there's this thing in front of you. So I, I still feel like we're trying to be patient, and and I'm trying to be patient and not just throw everything at you. I I just I. I'm trying to stutter over over my words or allow myself to not edit out my stuttering because it's important for everyone to feel like we don't have this figured out. (laughs) We're documenting our process and we don't want everyone to feel like, oh, let's Katie and Alan have this all worked away and they're going to figure this out just fine. So where I think we need to go from here is just be be sensitive with each other. We don't want to, I don't want to overwhelm you with things that I'm learning or things that I'm doing. I want to be sensitive to your process. And if you want to know things, great, you can know things. But really what we are still focusing on is each other. And what we want to do is make sure that we relive episode four about love over and over again and constantly tell each other, I love you no matter what, I love you no matter what. If I overwhelm you with anything, you tell me. If I feel like you're not putting forth any kind of effort to understand where I'm at, where I'm at, I need to tell you. Uh, what What do you think? Yeah, I I think okay. I'm better with a synopsis of the episode. So yes. let, let's do that. At the beginning of the episode, we asked the question, "What do I know about Alan's faith transition? About the information he's learned? What do I know? Look, I don't know everything. I don't know everything that Alan has studied." I certainly have not put forth a three to four hour a day effort like he has. I have not learned all the information that Alan has, but I also cannot be judgmental if I haven't learned it myself. So because of that, I have now started doing my own studying and research. I ask him to give me things. He's written this letter to me to tell me his feelings and thoughts on different subjects that he has a difficult time with. And beyond that is trying to still communicate when we do feel or Mm -hmm. see something that we have a problem with and communicating it to each other. And one thing Alan has said is, don't be afraid to tell me if something bothers you. 
about the information you learn yourself. Because I'm not going to go off on a rampage with you. I will listen and I will respond to you in a positive way. Because of that, there have been a couple of things that I've told you that bother me. Yeah. And and we can go back and forth and it's not a bashing thing and it's not and it's not a demoralizing either of our beliefs it's really just to help us understand each other and apostate spouse let me give you a word of advice if there's positive you see call it out call it out it's it's not you giving giving in to your your spouse or playing games of any sort when we watched conference there were talks that i that i loved elders wicks talk was beautiful and i loved it and i called that out don't take sides be open and honest with how you feel about things if there's something that bothers you katie you should tell me about it right it goes both ways and if there's something that i find useful in the church i should tell you about it it's so easy to to try to take a side and we're trying to prove each other wrong and that actually I've never felt like that's been the case with us. No, we haven't. We've been pretty respectful of each other. Even though my knee-jerk reaction is going to be no or stop or this defensiveness, that's part of the process. If you have a spouse that has their knee-jerk reaction was that defensiveness, that is part of what happens when a spouse is dealing with all of this. So take it in stride. It's not because they don't love you, but it's because they don't know what their future maybe looks it's like. It's scary. It's scary. And it is. It's just scary. So this is evolving constantly, as you can tell. And it's what this is one of those episodes I've kind of been waiting to do because it is so close to the surface. It's very raw. It's still happening right now. But... I, I felt like with all of the questions we've received, everyone wants to know. Yeah. What do I know? Katie and I, after we edit, let's be honest, after I edit the, the podcast episodes. I don't do any of the technical support. <laughs> Katie listens to it and then we go and we catch up and we go, what do you think? Was that good? Was that good? This is one of those episodes that it's going to be hard to listen back to. It was very hard to record. The feeling in the room is is not lovey-dovey like it was last week. There's nothing in between us. I honestly feel closer to you having this conversation and some some thoughts and opinions were shared today that we've never talked about. So that means a lot to me. Just I want the listeners to know that this was probably the most difficult episode for us to record to date, but we feel that's very important. But we, we do hope that everybody in, enjoyed the, the podcast we want to invite you to send us an email with any questions or comments at marriageinatightrope at gmail.com. And also go on Instagram and follow us on Marriage on a Tightrope. And if you have any questions, feel free to comment in the comment section. You can leave comments at mormondiscussionpodcast.org. And also send us those questions if you have further questions about this episode or we will do an entire episode dedicated to your questions. We will read them out loud, not your name, uh, and then answer them the best we can. If you just want a cookie recipe, I will <laughs> gladly we'll read it out that. on the air. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for listening. Bye-bye.
Well, it's all an adventure that comes with a breathtaking view. Walking a tightrope.